time it off once. All right, are we ready? Guys, are we ready for another episode of Real Talk with Ian and Ian? It's a privilege to come back to you on another Sunday afternoon, a Sunday evening, to all the viewers, you know, the loyal viewers, for the visitors, for everyone that might be coming on this, uh, tuning in tonight. We're so delighted and excited because we're going to bring you a special episode. This is a wonderful kind episode. Um, you know, we was fortunate enough to uh, get our featured guest today, who is a doctor of chiropractor. And if you, you know, I know everybody might hear the word, you know, chiropractic, and we're going to give you uh, some details today about how to prevent you from getting injury. We got a lot of the athletes, we got the young one, we got the elderly. Everyone need chiropractic here. This is one of the one time that I could say that um, you know um, I I have benefit from chiropractic care. You know, if if it wasn't for me getting any chiropractic care right now, I wouldn't be sitting here today. So I'm a living testimony of you know some of the information that we're going to receive tonight. So before we get into the the real talk conversation with Doctor Marco. Belizier, um, originally from Panama, we're going to hand you over to the health and wellness specialist. So we got a health and wellness specialist, we got the doctor of chiropractor, and we got a, um, a, a little guy that ran in the Olympics here uh, with a good combination. So we hope that this program can educate, motivate, and inspire in some way. So the next voice you'll hear is Mr. Ian Thomas. Welcome. Okay, Ian, uh, you know I, I'm very passionate when it comes on to healthcare. Anybody knows me, know that Ian, once you know you talk to Ian, you're going to hear something about healthcare, you know, and the benefits, especially in terms of taking care of our body. And just to have with us here, Dr. Marco Belizier, you know, somebody who knows the body more than any of us here on the platform right now, you know, and who is willing to come on here to share his experience both as an athlete and now as a medical doctor you know but a chiropractor who definitely believes mostly in preventative care and that is definitely a, a, a passion of mine you know I, I i believe in 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 prevention that that than dealing with the cure or cut it out or treat out something whether you are medicate or cut out you know i i i rather would prevent it so this afternoon i i could not be more proud to have here on the platform with us, Dr. Marco Antonio Belizier, you know, and we just want to welcome him to the platform. But before we allow him to speak, we also want to just reach out and say a big thank you to all of our followers, you know, the audience. They have been participating, you know, for the past couple of months, you know, they've been with us and really playing all out. And tonight we expect no difference. So if you're an athlete, if you're just a regular human being, all of us come down with some form of injury at some point. We'll ask that you just type in the comment, you know, any question you want to ask. We have the doctor here, not very often, you know, Ian, you get to sit down more than five or 10 minutes with a doctor. But chiropractors, they, they care so much. They spend time with you. But tonight we have with us Dr. Marco Belizier. Doc, we just want to welcome you to this platform, Ian and Ian. And we're not going to expect nothing less than, you know, 
what you do best, you know, take care of the people. So welcome to the platform. Um, my pleasure. I, I'm, I'm truly honored. I mean, it's when when Ian uh, um, when Ian sent me when Ian first communicated with me, and you know I was congratulating him and, and asking and telling him, "Wow, I'm, I'm very impressed with what you're doing. Keep up the good work." And he said, "No, you don't understand. I'm inviting you to this show." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You're inviting me to this show?" I was like, "Well, so it's it it, 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 it is an honor. It is. I mean, I'm I'm very grateful great, grateful to." Uh, uh, to be invited into into your show and to be able to, to uh, speak to something that you know very passionate about something that I love doing. All right, guys, you heard from Dr. Marker. Um, he has been a part of the track and field family from way back, you know, in the eighties, you know, uh, for his home country Panama, and um, you know, we're going to hear the story how you know he went from you know. Uh, from 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 a student athlete, you know, and where his heart was changed into um, taking care of people, and um, you know, when you have a passion of taking care of people, um, you know, we so happy for him in the track and field uh, family. He have done so much. Um, I know that a lot of our fans are into sports and you know all kind of different sports. Um, we know Ian; he's a big cricketer. And I know that those, you know, um, I'm a former hurdler, but I know the the history of taking care of the back and you know the, the spine, you know, all the way down. That could improve your performance, and you know, having a good posture and all the good stuff. So, Dr. Mark, as usual, you know, we just like to know a little bit about who you are and basically, you know, how everything all started for you. We just like to rewind back a little bit of time and just tell us a little bit about your background uh from you know your early days um you know in college just let us know where you went to college and what was that like um your first experience well um uh um, i was born in new york but uh, uh my mom and dad are from panama so uh, um I, uh, um, I actually grew up in Panama and, you know, you know, 40 years ago, I was, I, you know, soccer, I mean, track wasn't, you know, wasn't, I didn't, I didn't care anything about track, you know, so, you know, more, more so than when the Olympics came around and I would watch some people, you know, run, run in, in, in some meets. So that, that was the extent of it. And, uh, I think it was, um, 1981. Um, I was a soccer player and one of the instructors saw me running on the soccer field and um, you know he looked at me he says wow you got some speed he <laughs> says would you like to go would you like to go there's a national interscholastic meet in, uh, in four weeks and in two weeks rather and he said would you like to go so I you know I kind of looked at him I said what I gotta do I gotta run and he says yeah you gotta you, you have to go um, uh, uh, you know, th- there's a meet. He says, you're just going to go run the 100. Just go run the 100. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that should, that should be fine. And he says, I will train you for two weeks. So my question was, so when is the meet? Is it during the week? And he said, yeah. He says, so I can miss school? He said, yeah, I'll get you an excuse. I said, count me in. You know, so that was my excuse. I could get out. So long story short, I went to the meet. He trained me for two weeks. 
I didn't know how to run. I didn't even know how to get into a, a pair of slotted blocks. And he says, uh, you're going to win this, man. Don't worry about it. So I went there and I won the 100. And, you know, I just said, okay, that's it. We're leaving. And he said, well, you won the 100. Why don't you run the 200? I said, so how do you run that? And he says, uh, you know, I said, well, this is how you run. I said, okay. So I went there and I ran the 200. And I won the 200, you know. And then he says, well, you already won the 200. The 400 is coming up next. And I said, you know, so that's that to show you how naive I was. I didn't know anything. He says, I said, how do you run that? And he says, this is how you run it. So I went and I ran the 400 and I won the 400. And that was wow. it. I was like, look, that's it. I wanted to. I said, okay, that's it. We could go. So I went back. I remember going back to the school and I had all the three gold medals and things like that. And, you know, but that wasn't, you know, my, my focus. Um, and then... I enrolled in college in Panama, and you know now I'm starting to think is okay. Soccer wasn't big in the United States 40 years ago, so I'm thinking, okay, um, how can I get a scholarship to come out to the states? And then I started to think about track. And long story short, um, I went trained for a couple of weeks, and you know went to one meet, left it at that. Then I had the following year, um, follow follow following year in January they had a they had a they had a, a national relay meet and I went to the national relay meet and then they said they were going to have a, a, a special uh, 100 meter uh, uh, century classic and they called me to the line they said you're one of the one of the guys that's going to run and lo and behold I run the Olympic standard <laughs> I ran the Man. Olympic standard in 1984 and you know that basically um, uh, catapulted me that that gave me that opened the doors for a scholarship you know, so um, uh, Russ Rogers, he was he was the 1984 sprint relay coach. Um, so and he was the coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University. So I had a couple of schools that that, that offered me offered me scholarships, but this one moved the quickest. So I basically went to Fairleigh Dickinson University. Uh, since I had already you know had a couple of years of studies, I, I basically um, uh, stayed. Um, uh, I, I competed actually for three years. I competed for three years in the school, and you know, walking back, you know, I was, I know, I was, I was, uh, I was studying for the MCAT, and one of my one of my teammates was asking me. He says, you know, what are you going to do uh, after school? Um, you know, we we were both enrolled in the pre-med program, and I said, look, I'm 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 studying for the MCAT, but I've also looked into some chiropractic schools. So I might consider that. And he says, I just got accepted to one in Georgia. Um, and I said, okay, well, following year was the Olympic year. And my coach again was gonna be the uh, sprint and relay coach for the for the US team. So I'm like, okay, I'm graduating, but let me see if I can, I can uh, you know, try out and, and run an Olympic standard for Seoul. So that's basically what I did. And eventually I, um, uh, I uh, ended up in chiropractic school, and I was pretty much, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily care anything, anything else about track and field at that point. I was, I was done, and my focus was going to be uh, chiropractic, even though I didn't know much about chiropractic. I just knew that it was, it was just something different, you know, because I remember when I was in the um, pre-professional club at school. Uh, you know, it was a medical doctor that was the, the um, he was the, uh, 
the, the director of the group and you know all the kids were basically talking you know it, it, most of the kids they wanted to become doctors it was more because of a status rather than they wanted to become a doctor because they wanted to help people so i kept looking at a lot of these people so you know and, and it made me question that did i want to be in the, in the in the same profession with these people so chiropractic was something that sounded a little bit different to me even though i didn't know much about it i just felt it was different and after graduating from college and and i worked for the department of health i decided okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and enroll in uh, in, uh, in chiropractic school and i came down to chiropractic school and um you know went through went through all my 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 years of uh my years of study and um uh funny thing is you know for some reason you know you ian as a as a as a as a runner for some reason when when the olympics come around we get that fever <laughs> decide okay and what happened was i wasn't really doing doing much track i was doing more more soccer and the funny thing the the uh, your 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 previous guest you talk about futsal you know that's what i did i did a lot of that stuff and that's a lot of running back and forth you know so me doing a lot of that sprinting they had a group they had a group of 1500 meter guys that were training down here for the uh, for the for, for the US trials so i started you know uh, i started going out there and training with them and eventually i went to a couple of meets and then i started to run you know i started to run some some competitive times then i you know eventually got an opportunity and i and i went and i traveled because i was i was towards the last year in my my chiropractic school so i eventually ended up uh, um, traveling overseas went to a couple meets overseas and things like that you know so um i was i was the i was the best uh sprinter that they had but they chose to send somebody else and that really i mean at that point i was basically um i was pretty much through with uh uh you know with just the country as a whole and just uh with track and field as a whole so i i i started in practice and basically um what do you call it uh i was basically a a regular citizen until one day i was in i was in the office and i got some correspondence from you know Lawrence Seagraves you know and i and i you know i i looked at it and i called him i said how did you know i was at this office and he says i didn't i just sent a lot of a lot of information about a, about a, about a product that he was dealing with he says i sent it to a lot of a lot of ads he says what what do we come out want to come out and uh, what do we go to lunch so we we went to lunch and you know i was already what i was already what 31 not necessarily thinking about me uh doing any more competition but he he kind of you know lit a little fire in me he says look i've got a group down here he says why don't you uh you know do, do you think you still have some uh, unfulfilled potential i said absolutely he says i've got a group down here why don't you come out and train with us and instead of you paying me you just take care of the athletes that to me was a win-win situation win-win uh, opportunity right there because in the group we had uh Andre Kaysen which at the time he had the uh uh the 60 meter world record and he was a uh, silver medalist at the previous world championships this was in 93 and we had uh Chidi Imo that 
you know, he, he had the African record at that time and, you know, been an Olympic finalist. And we had a, a Slim Watkins, he had been an NCAA champion. And we had another, um, uh, another Italian sprinter that actually went to Texas. But what I, what I didn't realize that, that me training with them, more so than training was an education because I actually learned the fundamentals of sprinting and the biomechanics of sprinting, but I actually learned it from a, from a scientific standpoint, you know, because Lauren actually will talk to me and tell me, okay, you're going to, you know, you're going to swing your arm back like this because it's going to trigger the tricep reflex to bring the arm forward. You know, when you get in the blocks, you're going to put your arm, you're going to put your foot in this position because when you load the, the foot here is going to, you know, send a signal to the brain to tell the glutes to fire. I mean, so he was, when he was educating me, so me being a chiropractor and understanding when he was telling me these things, that became more of a, of a, of a, uh, um, uh, it was a teaching tool for me, you know? So at, at, you know, from that point on, the following year, we had, we had a, an even bigger group with some, 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 some more athletes. And with me taking care of them, I was now applying a lot of the things that he had taught me. And I was applying it to when, when they lied on the table and I, I would find some things that were off with them. I will think back to what he told me regarding the, uh, you know, the mechanics. And I'm like, okay, this is probably what you're doing wrong. <clears throat> That's what was happening. All right. All right, Dr. Marka, thank you for that. That great introduction um, all the way from, you know, born in the U.S., moved to Panama, moved back to the U.S. Um, so just just to um, go back a little bit, um, going back to Panama, how 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 different was it? Um, you know, how challenges are all how, how did growing up going to high school and schools in Panama. I've never been to Panama before. Um, what would you say are some of the differences that, you know, you faced when you went back to Panama? Well, um, I think life, life, you know, life is a lot simpler, you know? I mean, if you look at Panama is, is, is a very cosmopolitan city, um, but it's still a small country, you see? So just just think of a small New York. That's that's what you see in Panama. So it's very progressive. It's a very progressive city, but still life is very simple. So um, there you, you you don't necessarily have that hustle and bustle from, that you have in New York, you know. And you know New York, you you grow up hard over there is is, is a lot simpler. So um, uh, I, I know there was a there was a there was a time that I came back and I. And I experience some things and my eyes open wide wide open and I said I don't want to come back to the states because it freaked me out and I said no this is this is this is too crazy so when I graduated from high school you know my mom kept asking me says, oh, are you coming back with me and I said uh, no I already enrolled in college I hadn't enrolled in college I just told her I had enrolled in college I just didn't want to come back so but yeah I think it's it's, it's a lot simpler yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, um, so moving back to the U.S. and you know, enroll in college, um, I believe Fearless Dickinson was right 
the Knicks stayed over in New Jersey. New Jersey. Um, yeah. All, all right, all right. Because I, I did hear it. I did. I heard about it um, years back. So, so just tell us about some of the days. I know that um, you guys, the Fairleigh Dickinson University, is in the IC4A conference, yes. and I know that um, I went to George Mason. And we pretty much dominate that conference, um, you know, for many years. Um, you know, it, it was so easy for us. Uh, we, we never get rings or nothing. You know, all the other schools, whenever you win a conference, you get rings and stuff. Right. But we we never get anything. You know, it was like, let you know, we got we waiting for nationals, the NCAA championship. To if you win over there, you get something. But yeah, something. that's a. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about um, your your days running in college. What was that like? Uh, what event did you do in college? And um, what what's your best memory of running in college? Well, um, well, <laughs> like how I like to tell people, um, I ran what the coach told me he, I was supposed to run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember I remember one year. I think it was uh, I think it was 1985. They they used to have the uh, the Duke Carolina relays, you know. And uh, you know, one day it was at Duke, and then the following day it was at, at, at uh, NC State. Um, and we were supposed to run the four by four. And mind you, um, uh, I had only run one 400 prior to that in my life. Yeah. Okay. And I actually ran 49.95, you know. And at that time, Seton Hall with you know Coach Bauman and and, and, yeah. and, and uh, Baskin and all these guys, they they were, they were you know one of the top teams in the nation, and we were supposed to run against them. And you know, so then the coach says, okay, you know, just you know, he decided he wasn't going to put the quarter miles on the team. He was going to put the short sprinters. And I looked at him like, why? You know, I was trying to plead a case. I didn't want to run no 400. I didn't know how to run no 400. So he basically, uh, uh, he said, what did he say? He, he said, you guys could run 310. And I said, 310, 310, what, what's that? That's like, what, 48 flat a man, you know? And, you know, he said, yep, that's exactly what it is, 48 flat a man. I said, uh, well, so I tried to plead a case. I said, well, from 49.9, you go to for maybe 49.5. I said, so you can't expect me to run that. And, you know, he proceeded to embarrass me in front of everybody out there in the field, you know. So when I took that stick, I ran. <laughs> like my <laughs> life depended on it. And I crossed the finish line and he just showed me that, she just showed me my split and I actually split 47.2, you know. Why did we do that? He got excited now, and every week we were running. You know, we were running the four by four. The same four, the same four guys. We were running the four by four, so four by four. So I remember that year, uh, IC four A's was at uh, Villanova, and I was, I, I, I had never been so happy to not make it to a final because we didn't want to run that four by four. Man, so I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's. One, one of the things that happens is it was very difficult for me to come from warm weather to train in uh, cold weather. And at the time, we didn't have an indoor track. So 
we had an outdoor track and the track was next to the river. So it was so difficult for me to train out there, um, you know, with, a, with next to a frozen river, we're training outdoors, it's 20 degrees outside and I'm trying to run and I got four and five pieces of, uh, you know, clothing on. So that was very difficult for me. So I didn't necessarily run any, um, you know, I made it to conference every year, but I didn't necessarily make, I didn't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, run any world beating times until, yeah. I, until after, you know, my last year, because I was supposed to have four years of eligibility, but since I came from overseas, you know, the school said that you didn't have anything. So the, the following year, we, we, um, we actually, uh, you know, we, we stayed and we trained. So we had, a, we had a, you know, Candy Young that she had made the 1980 Olympic team. And we had a Diane Dixon, she trained, she actually trained. You know, we all trained together. And uh, we had another, you know, she was a high school phenom at the time. And, you know, she became, you know, she, I think she eventually became a NCAA champion to Don, uh, Don Bowles. And, okay. uh, and you know it was it was a different type of training I wasn't I wasn't you know killing my body every weekend with the training so um, I was able to uh, um, go out there and, and, you know, and run fast you know run a lot faster um, you know to the point where I, I, I remember uh, um, I went to the Ibero-American Championships in Mexico City, those are all. That's all the uh, Spanish-speaking countries, Spanish and Portuguese-speaking countries in the world. And this was in Mexico City, and um, I didn't even realize that I actually made it to the finals because my country sent me there by myself. You know, so and I was sitting down because everybody had ran very fast. You know, that in my semifinals they had 998 and 100, and I was third, and I was picking top two on the next two fastest times. So I, I'm, I'm basically thinking, okay, I want to see this final because it's going to be very fast. And then I, I look up on the screen, and because the runners are supposed to be coming through the tunnel, and I look up on the screen and I see, um, I see, uh, I see the, 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 the lane assignments, and I see lane one, but they misspell my name. And then I lift up my shirt and I say, oh my god, I made the final! So I have to run over. <laughs> run over to the normal track and uh, you know check in and just walk in you know but the good thing is that back in those days we had the two false start rule so that was that was beneficial to me so they had two guys I, I, I'm, I was always good with holding but, but you know they had two guys that jumped the gun so I said there's two less guys that I have to worry about and you know uh, I ran 10-3 in that, in, 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 in that race but um, I came back and I was telling, I was telling the coach, I said, Hey, hey you know, you know, these guys, you know, they ran 998, 10, 0, 0, And he started telling me everything that happened at the trial. That's when Flojo ran that 10, 49. And I said, I'm like, come on, that, that was, I was win 80, man. I can't be, that can't be uh, legal like that. He said, well, that's the, the, the win set that, you know, zero, zero. So I said, okay. You know, so, um, uh, you know, you, 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 you know, in, in regards to college experiences, um, we were ran so much in college that, you know, uh, I tell people, uh, Advil came out, uh, in, on the market when, when we were running, 
Okay, and we knew we were gonna have get a headache after the meet, so that's what we were doing. We were checking the asphalt behind it before before the race. But <laughs> we knew it's gonna be hurt, so take something that's gonna help you with that. Uh, thanks for that, Dr. Marcus. So just just to, you know, just, just to, I know a lot of your old teammates, they probably haven't heard from you, or you know, I know it's a while. Who are some of your teammates um, that were on your team that you could remember and um, the name of your coach back then? Uh, well, obviously, Russ Rogers was, a, was one of the team. And, and you know, and, and of course, uh, um, I, I do keep in touch with, with my, with, we had we had what what we call a union. It was all four, just the, 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 the four sprinters. Um, you know, Nigel Clark, he was from Barbados. Um, you know, Ruben Prithwi, well, Ruben Wallace now, he's he's from uh, um, from Trinidad. And um, you know, Mike Wasco, he was he was uh, he was an American here. Um, but also, you know, I had several other of my teammates. You know, Jama Aden. You know that. Uh, oh, Jama. Yeah, Jama was my teammate. Yeah. Jama was my teammate. Yeah, that was one of the so, first ones. So, so what he did, transfer to George? Did Jama, huh? did he went to George Mason too? No, 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 no. It's Abdibile that was at, at George Mason. Oh. Abdibile, but they're both from Somalia. But uh, um, Jama was Jama was from uh, from uh, um, uh, um, from Somalia. Jama so from was Somalia. Okay. Yeah. And then we had uh, Jimmy Igore, Jimmy Igore from, from Tanzania. Um, you know, all of these, both of these guys, these were 84, 84 Olympians, uh, semifinalists, uh, um, I think in the 1500, um, trying to think, uh, uh, who else, uh, um, hmm. trying to think, uh, who else was some of my teammates, uh, um, I mean, that's fine, well, don't, yeah. hurt. Okay. What uh, was yeah, the last? What, uh, what's what's the last person you said? Uh, Maurice Gibbs. Maurice, again, Maurice oh. Gibbs and Bar Bailey. You know, Bar. Okay. These were these were well. He was a quarter miler, but these were guys that were coming in towards the end when I was okay. actually leaving. You know, so those are the couple of guys that I uh, that I remember. You know, so okay. and and I know you mentioned you mentioned you know one one experience that 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 I had. My my first year uh, at George Mason, they had the Budweiser Invitational, okay, and uh, in what well, back in those days was the 55 meters, and you know who did they put me to run against? Sam Grady, you know, that was right after the Olympics. So you know I'm I'm a little bit scared, you know I'm like whoa, you know this is this is the Olympic uh, silver medalist, and I remember. When I was running, funny thing, Jama kept yelling at me, dip, 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 dip. So I dipped and I actually made the finals. So I was very excited. So that was that was uh, that was uh, uh, um, a very interesting experience that that I can remember right now. I mean, it's mind you, I've been out of out of out of college uh, uh, 34, 34 years, 35 years. Okay. All right, all right. So the next question, um, and then I'm gonna let you get over here to the health guy. He got some, you know, uh, some health-related questions. So, if, if you were supposed to just looking back at it, would you done anything different now? But just you know, um, you know, when you went to college and 
the part that you take, um, you know, do you think that if you could relive that, you would have done it different or the same? Well, um, you know, there, there are, you know, there are, of course, there are some things that I will, I will certainly change. But I think the most important thing is, you know, the things that I have learned as the years go by. And once I started running open, um, you know, and training alongside professionals and, and what, what I call the elite level um, athletes, um, all the things that I, I learned uh, then, if I had known that back then, okay, I think I would have been a much, much better athlete. You know, I think I've been, I would have been a little bit more motivated. The thing was that when I was in college, college was just a means to an end. I wanted to go to medical school and that was my focus. And, you know, that was, it says, okay, this, this is my focus and this is what's going to help me get there. It wasn't after I finished college that I started to get a, a new love for track and field. The training was different. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you for that, Dr. Marco. I know we're going way back to a decade, 20 years or plus. So, um, you know, but you considered, um, you know, I got to ask you one question. As a chiropractor, how do you take care of yourself? <laughs> well, uh, I do. I do go to my I do go to my colleagues. I do go to okay. my colleagues. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. It's a must. Okay. I, I, I get a, a adjusted at least once a month. Okay. I can't, you know, because uh, it's very important. I can't, I can't preach one thing and not, uh, not, uh, not do it. You know, even though we don't, we don't necessarily do everything. I do go get adjusted once a month. Okay. Okay. All right, over to you, Ian. You. Yeah. Okay, Doctor Marco. Um, just listening to you here, I, I, I can hear it. You know, where you weren't totally sold out to athletics you know basically what i'm thinking if you had put more effort into it say take it up serious like how i think you have taken up the chiropractic um, um career um do you think you would have been a a, a a better athlete overall and even spend more time oh without question without <clears throat> question you know even even you know because, uh, you know, now, I mean, I, I, I did venture into coaching as well. And, and when I'm out there working with the athletes, they keep telling me, why don't you go run the Masters, man? You, and, 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 and sometimes I'm very competitive. I'm, I'm, I'm running in my flats toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. You know, but yes, I, uh, uh, without question. But, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we can look back and, and it and say, yeah, that's what I could have done. But I think this, this is, this, this is my path, you know, just to be on this here to help other athletes make it to, you know, help them fulfill, you know, their potential. All right, now, so looking into you basically going into the medical field, what would have basically led you to choose chiropractic um, over just being a regular medical doctor or a surgeon? Well, um, you know, initially that was that you know the 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 goal was to to become uh, an orthopedist. That's that's what I liked. I wanted to, I wanted to become an orthopedist. <clears throat> and I remember, um, you know, English being my second language. Um, I remember 
I used to admire a lot of the kids that were on the dean's list. Okay, I never made the dean's list. I never, I never failed any classes, but I never necessarily made the dean's list. And every weekend we were traveling, competing, and doing things like that. So um, one day I remember we had the hardest class in the in the, in the uh, pre-med program, which was uh, histology, study of tissues, and. I was determined to at least get a B in that class. And I remember studying for 15 straight hours. I studied mm. for 15 straight hours because I said, I am going to at least get a B in this class. And I remember I, I studied all night at seven o'clock. I went to my room, took a shower, came back to the cafeteria and went and sat down and, and, uh, and took the exam at, uh, at eight o'clock. And when I was sitting down in the exam, I looked around, okay, and the instructor had gotten a stroke. So he was paralyzed from one side, so he was a little bit slow. And I looked around, and some of the same kids that I admired, you know, that made the dean's list, they had open books and, you know, they had notes and stuff. And I looked at it, I said, and I started to laugh. And I said, oh, so that's how they do it. So they're not any more special than me. This is how they're doing it. This is how they're doing it. So at one point I started to look at that. And I says, do I really want to be in the same profession with these people? Okay. So that started to turn me off a little bit. And when my, when my, one of my, uh, um, uh, one of my teammates, uh, you know, basically told me that he was going to chiropractic school. And I, I, I just told him, just, just keep in touch with me because I'm going to, I'm going to try and, uh, and, and, and train for the, uh, you know, for the 88 Olympics. So I wasn't, I wasn't uh, necessarily concerned about that. And I eventually went to chiropractic school just because to me it was something different, but I still wasn't sure about it. Okay. And the funny thing was I'm sitting down in class and I'm sitting down in philosophy class and the instructor was talking about health. Okay. The problem is that he didn't look very healthy, okay? So that to me was a problem, okay? So I started to look at the, I was basically looking at the wall, you know? I'm like, man, you know, what, what, are, you, what are you gonna tell me about healthy? You don't look too healthy, you know? And then he said something. He said, the human body is a self-healing, self-regulating organism. So that caught my attention. I said, yeah, that's that, that, uh, that lines up with my intellect, okay? His, next words were the power that made the body will heal the body and that hit me like a ton of bricks and at that point i just knew i was in the right profession i just i just knew i'm like this is what i've been looking for so that was basically that aha moment oh my god this is what it is so now i i made it my business to learn and get in now i was in the program i now i'm like okay i'm dedicated to learning this this stuff that they call chiropractic all right, so you just make a powerful statement right there. You know, the power that make, make, makes the body, heals the body. Um, the fact that you have basically walked the path now and you know, have been doing it for a while, um, could you just explain that now, you know, to our audience, what that really means? Well, this is, what, this is what people have to understand. People, you know, a lot of times they have the... Uh, they have the concept that you know chiropractic has to do with neck and back pain, and chiropr chiropractic has absolutely nothing to do with neck and back pain. What we have to understand is that um, 
what we're dealing with as chiropractors, we're dealing primarily with the nervous system. Why the nervous system? Because the nervous system controls and regulates every single function that takes place in the body. Everything you think, feel, or do, your nervous system controls it. Uh, this we're doing through the spine, okay? But what we have to understand that the spine is a very flexible structure, okay? And because it's a very flexible structure, it's also been designed to be maintained from an early age, okay? But the other thing that we also have to understand from the spine, especially when we're dealing with athletes, that your extremities are extensions of your spine. That's the reason why we talk about proper foot strike, okay? Because when you stand in the base of your spine or your feet, so any imbalance or any incorrect foot strike is gonna translate all the way up along the kinetic chain and create an imbalance in the pelvic area. Same thing with the arm swing. You know, if your arm is coming across the body, understand that shoulder muscles are the only group of muscles that attach directly into the entire spine. So you do this, you're directly affecting the spine, okay? So because the spine is a very flexible structure, it's also been designed to be maintained from an early age. So as a result of, of the, uh, that um, flexibility, it becomes susceptible to different forms of stress or trauma, okay? So you have physical stress. We're talking about athletes. Every single day that an athlete goes out to practice, what are they doing? They're beating up their body, okay? So they're putting a tremendous amount of stress in the body, okay? So a slip, a fall, an automobile accident, the positions that we put ourselves on a daily basis at work, lifting objects incorrectly. So they could go in the gym and be lifting weights and lifting weights incorrectly. Okay, that's putting direct stress on the spine. Okay, not getting adequate rest. Okay, that's how the body heals and repairs. On that same token, you also have chemical stressors, things that we ingest on a daily basis. Tell an athlete that's in uh, in, um, in, uh, in 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 good shape, and I'll and I'll give you a funny story. When I went to the uh, uh, World Indoor Championships in '95, I was I was. Uh, I was, I walked into the cafeteria with uh, Sunday Bada, you know, Sunday Bada from Nigeria. He was the favorite to win the, uh, win the, uh, the 400. Okay. And we all walked in and we grabbed our food and we sat down and what's the name of, uh, Merlin, Merlin Adi's coach, Hank, this tall skinny, saw, uh, um, tall skinny guy, uh, uh, Hank, uh, can't remember his name. Okay. He walked over to us and said, Hey guys, how you doing? He, said, he sat down, he started chatting, you know, and he looked at Sunday, you know, so he had, uh, you know, a plate with rice and, and, and salad and, and chicken. He had a, a, a big piece of chicken with a whole bunch of gravy on it. And he looked at him, he said, uh, uh, how you feeling? He said, man, I'm feeling good. He said, you think you're going to win that 400 this rice? I said, yeah, I should, I should be able to win it. And he said, not if you eat that chicken, you know? <laughs> And he said, no, come on, come on here, stand up. He took him over to the, to, to, to the, to the, to the food bar and he says, this is what you're gonna eat before you go to race, okay? So those are, those are examples, that's a chemical stressor, can have a physical manifestation on the body. Mm. So your body's like, like a Ferrari, so you don't put cheap gas in a Ferrari, but a lot of times that's what we wanna do with the body. So, you know, the things that you ingest on a daily basis, pollution, contaminants in the food, contaminants in the air, the excessive consumption of junk food, alcohol, cigarette smoke, even medication, because they're artificial chemicals, even though they have a time and a place, okay? Then you have emotional stressors, fear, anxiety, anger, worry, and depression, okay? An athlete, he could be in the best shape of his life, okay? And, you know, he, he's, he supposedly has, a, has the, uh, you know, the fastest seat, all of a sudden they throw him in lane two 
he still got to run. He still has to run, but he gets emotional because he feels that he's supposed to be in lane four or lane five. He gets emotional and he doesn't perform well. So the issue is that the body doesn't distinguish between one form of stress or the other. The body just knows something is stressing it. Okay. So the body is controlled basically by signals that the brain is sending. So that so so it's, it's mental impulses or nerve impulses that the brain sends through the spinal cord. That's a cord that goes all along your spine. Now, in between the vertebrates, okay, you have the spinal nerves, and these spinal nerves now ensure that the signals that are going to your quad go to your quads, the signals that are going to your glutes go to your glutes, okay? The signals that are going to, you know, your groin muscles go to your groin muscles. And understand that each groin muscle has its own independent nerve supply, okay? So that's that's what it is. So these signals are supposed to go to all parts of the body without any interruption. But when the body is under constant stress, and you're not giving the body what the tools that it needs to be able to recover. Not covering up the symptoms, but the tools that it needs to recover, okay? Uh, that nervous system, which is designed to allow us to, to adapt to that stress, becomes overwhelmed. When it becomes overwhelmed, now the body says, okay, here's the white flag, I can't deal with this anymore. Now the stress starts affecting us, okay? Now in the process, because the body is a self-healing, self-regulating organism, the body is always going to try to find ways to defend itself, okay? But it's going to do it up to a certain point. And eventually we get to a stage where, where we have more damaged cells than healthy cells and bam, here comes the symptom. Symptom is just your body's way of protecting itself, okay? It's the body saying, look, there is a problem here. I need attention, I need help, okay? As chiropractors, we don't necessarily are supposed to focus on that symptom. Why? Because in order for that symptom to show up, one or two things must happen. First, you must have a cause, okay? That cause could have come from five years before or 10 or 20 or 30 years before, who knows, okay? That cause gives rise to a condition. Condition is where the body is basically finding ways to adapt and that condition then manifests a symptom. So by the time the symptom shows up, you're already in the third stage of a problem. And typically the very first thing that's gonna disappear is the symptom. But because we live in a very symptom-driven society, we always assume that whatever was ailing me disappeared, that must be better, okay? Especially with athletes, because we have that, you know, that uh, innate ability to block pain sensation to the brain. We figure, oh, everything's okay, or I'm gonna muscle my way through this or tough it out, okay? So we feel that that's a credit card to go back to doing some of the same things that got us there in the first place. So my job now is, okay, I have to determine where are the areas of imbalance, okay? And then by way of, you know, different uh, uh, adjustments and different things that we do, then we help that person come back to uh, a better state of health where the body is going to heal itself, you know? It's not me and it's not chiropractic. It's what we're doing is removing nerve interference, removing imbalances that are created in the, in the body that, that are not allowing the body to be able to express itself, to be able to function at its best capacity, okay? And then by removing the interference, then the body is able to adapt to it. So in, in a nutshell, that's basically what, what it is that, that we do as chiropractors. Wow, wow, wow. A lot of information right there, uh, Dr. Marco. But, but uh, with all that said, I, I, I want to I put you on the spot, you know? And uh -huh. you, you, you describe the body like a Ferrari. So <laughs> we, <laughs> we all know what that means, you know. It's precious and we gotta take care of it. And but if I ask you a question, you know, 
if there's one thing that you want an athlete or an individual to know about the body, what would that be? It's very important <laughs> that they learn to listen to their body. That's the important thing. They need to learn to listen to their body. The body is constantly talking to us. It gives you all kinds of symptoms, all kinds of signals, okay? A headache is a symptom, okay? Uh, 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 constipation is a symptom, you know? Fatigue is a symptom, okay? You know, the body is constantly talking to us. The thing is that we become experts in telling the body, shut up. <laughs> so that's the, that's the important thing. If somebody needs to understand something, they need to learn to listen to their body. Man, I, I love that one. I think you hit that one right out the park here. That is so true. I keep telling my friends, basically, and I say, man, you have a fever. The body's telling you something. You're, you're tired today. Your body's telling you something. Probably you just had done too much work the day before last week. But the body's telling you something is going on. And, and it is very important, as you said, you know, to pay attention to, right. to the body. And, and, and you could not have described the body more than a, a, a Ferrari. Because, you know, if you hear a, a little sound in it that don't sound too right, you, you need to stop that car, pull over, and, and call the expert in. Because, you know, it, it's going to cost you too much to right. get it back running if something should go wrong with it. So, you know, I really like the way you have put it. Um, and with that, I just want to ask you, just, could you just tell us one thing you love about working with athletes now? You know, because we know athletes basically probably suffer some of the, the most uncommon type of injuries you know it's surprising some of the injuries that athlete will come down with you know versus somebody regular most of us out there little backache and little strain and whatever but an athlete at times comes down with some um serious injuries so what is it that you like best about working with athletes well obviously obviously uh being able to see them uh come back to performing at a, at a high level especially when when they've had an injury and they've been following uh, old protocols and, and incorrect protocols uh, of care, okay? And one of the things that I focus on with the athletes is, is educating them so they understand what it is that's happening with their body, where it possibly came from, okay? What was it that they were doing that triggered it? Okay, that's the reason why, you know, when it comes to track and field, I think I have an unfair advantage, you know, when it comes to a lot of chiropractors, because I understand the biomechanics of running. Okay, I understand uh, when you're doing some things incorrectly, how that's going to trigger a cascade of things. Okay, so. The, 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 the funny thing, especially when I get high school athletes in here and the athletes, you know, get on the table and I start evaluating. Well, first they give me first they give me the history. So based on the history, I, I will put myself first in their position as an athlete. Then I put myself in the coach's position in regards to, OK, what is it that the coach has probably been telling you to do? OK, then based on that, then I put myself in the chiropractic position to now evaluate, to see what all is going on. So once I find these things, a lot of times I start pointing out to them, you're doing this when you're running, your foot is doing this, this foot is doing this, this other foot is doing that, your arm is doing this. 
and they keep looking and sometimes their eyes skin up like that and they say uh what you've been talking to my coach i said no i haven't been talking to your coach i said your body told me all your business once you got on the table you see so i think that's one of the things that i understand uh you know best when i'm when i'm here working with the athletes so an athlete will come in and understanding okay a hurdler i'm going to look for certain certain movements that that they do a um a uh, uh, a short sprinter i'm going to do this a, a long jumper i'm going to do this okay i'm always asking okay which is your lead leg which is the trail leg you know because that tells me a lot in terms of okay biomechanically this is what you're supposed to be doing okay and at times i mean it's you know i remember one time a a a one one uh, triple jumper two time uh, uh, uh olympian uh, uh kente bell he kept ha- having a lot of issues with uh with uh um his fibula you know the bone on the outside of the uh, of the of the knee that goes down to the foot and i kept adjusting kept adjusting kept adjusting like trying to figure out you know okay what why this thing keep coming out you know keep misaligning so much and we keep adjusting it sometimes it's tough and, and another times most times we're able to get it So uh one US Nationals I got an opportunity to room with the actual guy Dr. Ramey may he rest in peace. Uh I got an opportunity to, to room with him and he's the one that actually filmed the jumps at US Nationals and he showed me Kente's run down the runway, okay? And sure enough, we saw in that second phase how when he planted how the entire leg <clears throat> collapsed okay and when we took an x-ray we found a spur on there and i was like oh my god that's exactly what's happening okay so those are some of the mechanical things that they do incorrectly so why why you know i why i love it so much because i'm able to explain to them okay so if the athlete has a visual as to what it is that they've been doing incorrectly that has them in here with either an injury or um some type of imbalance then they're able to go back out there and correct that because i don't necessarily want an athlete in here when he's all broken down that's more work for me i want you know it's you know you're the ferrari i want you i want to keep you fine too basically uh oh oh important understanding the biomechanics of the body is to an athlete you you become a better athlete you know if you if you if you understand mechanically how to run you you become more efficient with your with your movements out on the track if you don't understand you know some athletes can, some athletes are so talented that they can get away with it but if they understand a little bit okay about the mechanics how to go over the hurdles or you know how to swing the arm in one position or how the why why planting the foot on the ground the correct way is going to help you okay that makes them not only a better athlete but a more efficient athlete all right thank you very much for sharing all those details and and deep and you know, spe- spe- specific ian back to you there <laughs> hey dr barker we're 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 doing a um a real educated and motivating session right now so i'm just so happy that all the viewers that might watch this their podcast here um this real talk episode um you know this is first and information you're getting the information from a former athlete 
that is transform his career over into chiropractor. So with that said, Dr. Marker, you being a former athlete, and I know Ian asked you a similar question. How how that make you a better chiropractor? I know you somewhat said you have an unfair mm -hmm. advantage to, to, to other chiropractors, but from your standpoint, um, how you able to treat your athlete better knowing that um, you was a former athlete yourself? Well, uh, again, you know, if you, <laughs> if we understand, okay, um, that's one of the things that, that, that I certainly appreciated uh, when um, Lauren was coaching me. I appreciated that simply because he was talking to me from a scientific standpoint and that basically translated a lot of things into my mind and during that time I was I was also going to get adjusted by actually one of my instructors and when I went to get adjusted by him he was also teaching me some things in terms of adjusting the extremities so what happens is the minute somebody comes into me and tells me let me give you this example uh, I'm getting shin splints okay right away I'm thinking okay you're probably uh, um, plantar flexing when you're running, okay? You're running on your toes and you're stabbing the ground. And because you're stabbing the ground, you're shutting down the you know, tibialis anterior and posterior muscles. And when you shut down those muscles, uh, the talus, you have no support. So the talus kind of slip forward. So now you restrict dorsiflexion. So now the, 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 the shock is no longer absorbed in the joint itself. So it's more absorbed in the shin. And then you start to get that pain in there, the, part, the periosteum basically gets inflamed and the inflammation basically starts to give you the pain. You know, so that's that's an example. So, so somebody will come in and I always listen to the history. Okay, what is it that you're having? Okay, but a lot of times that, you know, athletes need to understand is all injuries are relevant to what's happening now because the body is always going to find ways to adapt and compensate. Okay, so you can have an old injury and you think that because that injury got better, okay, it might have got better in regards to symptoms, okay, but what the body did after six weeks, the nervous system says, I got to shift things somewhere else. So when it shift things somewhere else, okay, you don't even realize, oh yeah, this feels a lot better, but now you're putting more stress on the opposite side. And by putting that stress on that opposite side, now something else shows up and you think, oh, here's the problem. Here, I've got this problem here. And you tell them any other injuries and they keep saying, no, 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 no. And you keep digging and digging and digging. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, this happened. I'm like, oh, okay, so look at the relationship. You know, especially if, you know, when we talk about the same, the same kinetic chain, an ankle issue, it's gonna create back problems, it's gonna create knee problems, it's gonna create, you know, if you're striking the ground on the, on, on the outside. So it's a lot of different things that, that, that are going to happen that we, that, when the athlete comes in, I'm able to sit down and listen to what it is that they're complaining. And then I'm able to now say, this is probably what you're doing wrong. And once I evaluate nine times out of 10, I will find the imbalances there and then now start uh, adjusting or you know, activating the muscle in, in, in case the muscle is neurologically shut down. Hmm. All right, good stuff there, Doc. Um... So we just I just wanna give a couple of viewers because some some you know we got some young viewers on here and we might have some tell us exactly in from your 
version, what's what's chiropractic care? How how would what would you say? What type of um, service is chiropractic care in your own well, version? Um, you know, it's it's basically the 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 analysis, uh, uh, the analysis of the articulations of the spine and um, and and the extremities. Okay, to the, you know to determine where where they are in balances. Okay. That's basically what the chiropractic services is, and we address those by basically uh, delivering a specific chiropractic adjustment. Once we add a, it's a, it's a system of analysis that we use to determine where the imbalances are, and once we determine where the imbalances are, we deliver a um, specific adjustment to whichever segments are in balance, okay? Uh, either by way of uh, instrument or by way of, uh, you know, certain tables that have special levers, okay, or manually, okay? But one of the things that people need to understand that, you know, when, when we deliver the manual adjustment, the sounds that they hear, okay, uh, it's just a cavitation, you know, that, that cracking sound, all joints in your body have capsules, and these capsules have synovial fluids, which is a liquid that lubricates it. This liquid has a combination of, uh, of gases, okay? So when we make the adjustment, okay, we bring in that joint through what is known as the parapsychological zone, okay? Once we get it to that zone over there and we introduce that slight impulse, that creates a cavitation. When the gases are rushing in to fill that gap, that's what makes that popping sound, that people say, my bones are popping, and you know, <laughs> but it's not bones that are popping, it's just the, the exchange between the gases in the joint capsule and the adjustment. Yeah, really. Man, that's funny because th that's what I was going to ask you to explain. Um, that popping noise, you know, when you get on the table and, you know, the, you get that adjustment. And sometimes you, you don't hear the noise. What, what's the difference when you hear it and you don't hear it? What, what do you think well, is... <laughs> The, 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 the sound is independent of what's going on. Some people, you hear a loud sound. He says, man, I was I was really stressed. And others don't hear anything. He says, come on, doc. Come on, doc. doc you know, come on, doc. You're cheating me. And you know what we call those? Yeah. They're addicted to crack. You know? Okay. They just want to hear the pop. They just want to hear the pop. Some people love to hear the pop. Okay? Others especially in the neck area they don't like to hear it but the sound is independent the sound has nothing to do with you have more more going on or less going on yeah okay yeah i mean it's uh, just good to explain that for us because i never thought about it uh i know that when i'm stretching myself and i hear the popping noise sometimes i'm doing that crossover the right. knee over the body and i right. turn the opposite direction um i like to hear that that pop it um, tells me that um, I'm really in my mind. I'm assuming that I'm I'm really I'm, I'm stretching and I'm it's stretching the muscle popping. Um, well, what, what you're doing there, uh, I don't mean to cut you off. What you're doing yeah. there is by stretching. Okay, just understand uh, the spine is a unit. Okay, when one area is not moving correctly, others are going to find a way to compensate. So that compensation creates stress in other areas. That stress is more of a compensation, not the primary problem. So when you're stretching and you hear that pop, that's just the body working to release some of that stress that's in, in that area. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you again for that. You know, and we're gonna talk a little bit about pain management. Um, you know, I know that um, 
you um part of your expertise is to prevent um you know um injury and to uh, minimize pain management um you know so what 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 type of um you know for a strain hamstring or you know or something is off like a patient you come in and one feet is longer than one um what type of signs are those um in terms of um you know and how long you would it take for you to actually get that um adjustment back to normal where both feet are are on the same length well you know one of the things that we have to understand is this um you know, let, let's go to the the, the, the leg leg length discrepancy. Um, that's one of the that's one of the forms of analysis that we that we that we utilize. And just understand that muscles support the entire skeletal system. Okay, and muscles have a lot of specialized receptors. So now, um, when you have an imbalance, okay, the body is trying to protect, so it shifts things. Okay, and that's typically what you will see. You will see that leg length discrepancy. Okay. When we, when we see that leg length discrepancy, now that's part of our job to create a balance by way of adjusting, whether it be the lumbar spine or the sacroiliac spine or the iliac spine itself, you know, that's, that's, what, we, that's what we're looking to, um, uh, to correct, okay? Now, what we have to understand also is this, muscle memory and adaptation, okay? Because I can adjust it now, but, you know, the body might hold that adjustment for about an hour or it might hold it for about a week, depending on what it is that the person has been doing that's triggering it, okay? So the person also has a responsibility to make certain changes outside of the office. Because if I adjust and you're not making the changes, you know, all, all I'm representing is just a very expensive aspirin. And that's not the goal. So now let's go back, let's go to, to you know, you talk about hamstring injuries, okay? So let's talk about, you know, something called uh, Sherrington's Law, okay? Sherrington's Law basically states that when a primary muscle contracts, it reciprocally inhibits its antagonist, okay? And vice versa, okay? So it could carry through, so, 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 it, so, so it, it, so it could carry through the motion, okay? So now, give you the example. When the quad muscles fire, okay? The quad muscles fire, they, the quad complex reciprocally sends a signal to the hamstrings to relax so it can carry through the motion, okay? And when you get to the mid-stance part of that gait, okay, now the hamstring engages and sends a signal to the quad muscles to release, to, 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 to so, so that's basically how we function, you know? We function by turning muscles on and off in a coordinated pattern. Okay, but what happens is this, when the quad complex is off, again, when we talk about off, you know, the brain neurologically, proprioceptively shuts the muscle off, okay? So when the quad muscle uh, is, is, in, is, is proprioceptively inhibited, okay, when you fire the quad, is not able to send a signal to the hamstring to relax, so the hamstring is engaging through the through all different planes of motion okay so the hamstring gets tight okay so 
you 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 continue to treat the hamstring, okay? But the issue is not in the hamstring. The issue is with the quad that's that shut down. That's not sending the signal to for that muscle to to, to relax. So that muscle, so it keeps reoccurring. It keeps reoccurring, and people keep, you know, let me let me get in there and and, and dig in and dig in and and and, and stretch it and, and do the therapy and things like that, and it keeps reoccurring. You basically hit basically what is known like an un, un, unacceptable plateau is because that muscle is neurologically inhibited. So part of what I'm you know trying to explain to you guys here is is the we have to. Um, change the paradigm of how we look at injuries and how we deal with basically pain and adaptation. Okay. Because we always, you know, you know, again, pain is the body's telling us something is going on. It doesn't tell you what's going on. It doesn't tell you where it's going on. It's our job to now go and determine where it's happening. Okay. So we keep treating the hamstring. Okay. But in essence is, 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 is the, you know, quad complex that shut off. All right, thank you again, Doc. Um, I want you to explain this here for for me and for some of the viewers because um, we have heard athlete like Usain Bolt. Um, he's diagnosed with um, scoliosis. And, uh, yeah. How how do you treat something like that that is not curable or not? I don't know. Um, yeah, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that it's something that flared up, and um, from the best of my knowledge, that. It's, you know, at some point every year, the athlete is going to experience some form of discomfort that is hard for him to tolerate. Um, so what's your um, it take on that uh, treatment plan that for someone that comes in and tells you up front that that's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so let's let's think about it. so this is a spine. Okay? When you look at this spine, if you look at it from the front, everything yeah. is supposed to look alike. Okay? Yeah. When you look at it from the sides, you're gonna see curvatures. Okay? The curvatures are there to act like a spring coil. Okay. Uh, because it gives the spine flexibility. Okay, but primarily in the neck area it allows the weight of the head to rest comfortably over your shoulders. Okay, so now a scoliosis is when two or more vertebrates basically shift to one side, okay? Um, we've got maybe 14% uh, that's hereditary. The rest is due to unknown causes. Some type of stress that happened when you were developing, something happened at some point, a blow, an injury that was never treated correctly, and now you have the spine that is basically in this position here okay so mm. i mean there's there's a there's a great number of the population that has scoliosis and on a minor scale and has no problems whatsoever okay but in the case of of, of uh you know if you if you look you, you know i remember 2013 world championships i was i was walking behind uh um uh bolt and i'm looking at his spine and i didn't i didn't realize he had a scoliosis and i'm like hmm, that hip is slightly shifted yeah. So what happens is you got muscles on both sides. Okay. So the muscles now start doing like a little tug of war. Okay. And then, you know, it shift to one side. And, you know, if you keep, if you keep this as balanced as possible, then he's going to be able to, you know, and I mean, look, you know, he's look at everything that he did. Come on. You know, so, so, but obviously, 
he was somebody that took, make sure and took good care of his body. Even though he had that, he was able to make sure to take proper care of his body, okay? In and out of the track. So that's the key thing. So you have that slight imbalance. And yes, if you don't do anything, muscles will, will, will basically uh, shut down and start forming scar tissue and now restrict the movement and basically alter your gait. When they alter your gait, then, you know, either you become very good at, 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 at adapting, okay? Or you're, you basically hit a glass ceiling and then it says, okay, this is as far as I can go. All right, thank you for that. So I'm assuming that that would be in the classification of a chronic illness, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it becomes chronic, yeah, after, after a while. But and not necessarily an illness, it's just, just a, a biomechanical imbalance. You know, I won't necessarily call it an illness, okay. unless something that, uh, unless it's something that, uh, um, uh, you know, you have, a, you have an increased curvature. You know, an increased curvature, we're talking 40 or 50 degrees, then that could be putting uh, a little bit of pressure on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the organs, okay? So at that point, that's when they recommend, you know, perhaps, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, the surgery. However, there are, they are specific chiropractic techniques that even work with adults um, to, to help correct, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the scoliosis, yes. All right. My next question is, um, so in terms of a care plan, what would be a starting point for someone that, um, you know, is an athlete or, you know, someone that's a mom that is, um, have to bring around a baby, um, a lot and doing a lot of lifting, lifting, what kind of uh, treatment plan would be something that you recommend for somebody that they're not feeling any pain, but they want to go through some preventative issues, especially for a mom that has two young baby that has to walk around, you know, and hold it and do a lot of lifting. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, they, you know, they, 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 in, in my opinion, the care plans vary from person to person. Okay. Um, when somebody comes in, we obviously have to look at, you know, look at the history. Even though they have no symptoms, you know, we still got to look at the history to see what what old things that they they might have had, okay. And when they look at those old things that they might have had, of those old injuries, once I evaluate, either that will confirm or negate, you know, some of the things that they have said. And once we address that, okay, then we begin. Uh, I I tend to adjust on the first visit. Okay, so when you come in, I evaluate, I check on some things, and I adjust. Okay, and once I adjust, um, I give you just a few, just a few recommendations. Once you leave out of here, um, because I want to see how is it that your body's going to respond to what it is that, that I just did, because that lets me know um, uh, uh, if. Uh, the adjustment that I did is the correct adjustment or do we need to um, uh, I need to implement something different right. Okay. all right thank you we're going to take a question from one of our viewers right now um, 
you know, we got some viewers out there that, as you know, not as knowledgeable as some. So, uh, Mr. Gary Barnes here, he want to know the difference between a chiropractor and a physio and a physiotherapist. Well, a lot, of, a lot of the, a lot of the, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people, uh, um, as chiropractors, uh, we also um, uh, get a license as a physiotherapist uh, to work, but. Uh, some of us just choose not to do physiotherapy. I, I, I prefer to have the physiotherapist do actual <coughs> physiotherapy and I like to stick it to what it is chiropractic. With chiropractic, like I was mentioning, we're focusing on the uh, correction of imbalances within the, um, uh, within the articulations of the, the spine and the, and the extremities. And a physiotherapist is going to focus on, you know, they're going to focus on movement, on on rehabbing injuries and things like that. Um, and uh, uh, some physiotherapists also do manipulation, but it's completely different than 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 the uh, chiropractic adjustment, you know. And you know, one thing that that's important to to notice that, you know, uh, one thing is to mobilize a joint, okay. And there's another thing to stabilize a joint. So if you mobilize a joint, but you don't stabilize the joint, okay, you're predisposing the person to injuries down the road. So the body is going to find ways to adapt, okay? So, 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 you know, joints, you know, joints will get stiff, muscles will get tight, and that's basically the body trying to protect, okay? So if you loosen that up, but don't create stability, okay? then we can create more problems down the road. All right. Well, so thank you, Doc. I hope that um, helped Gary also. Yeah, and um, just to piggyback a little bit on what he's saying also in terms of a tendonitis, um, who's, who's better to treat the tendonitis? Is it the same um, in terms of the um, in terms of being a chiropr chiropractor or physiotherapy? Since uh, the, well, the tendonitis is a bit more bone, structure no actually no let, let me let me let me kind of i'm gonna i'm gonna break some things down to you okay <laughs> so so um again muscles muscles are the supportive structure of the entire of the, of the entire skeletal system okay um muscles have a lot of specialized receptors okay so um when you stress a muscle beyond its ability to adapt okay either due to lack of conditioning or um, the stress is too severe for it to handle, one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to tear that muscle and or before you tear the muscle, the brain sends a signal and, and neurologically shuts that muscle down. Okay? So proprioceptively, that muscle is not firing at 100%. Okay? So passive range of motion is good. Okay? If you put any stress on it, okay, uh, the muscle will give way. If you add more stress on it, okay, then it will give you pain where that muscle attaches. So that's the common cause of either joint pain or muscle pain, okay? So now uh, what happens is uh, when the pain shows up, okay, the brain now has to create a strategy of adaptation. How is it going to create that strategy of adaptation? By basically taking the stress, okay, off of that injured muscle, 
okay? And shifting the joint at the angle, okay, in a different position. And by doing that, places that load on another muscle, okay? So if we are successful in that adaptation, the pain is gonna go away, okay? But what's happening now, we're adapting, okay? So when you adapt, you're gonna lose a certain level of efficiency, okay? So that could be out on the field, or that could be just at home, just doing things at home or at, even at work, okay? So now what happens is you basically go from, you know, so the, the body keeps going from inhibition to adaptation, to inhibition, to adaptation, to inhibition, to adaptation, until the body runs out of places to hide these adaptations. Then you end up with something chronic, okay? When you end up with something chronic, okay, that's when you get the, the you get the, the diagnosis of tendonitis, uh, uh, um, capsulitis, or bursitis, okay? But what I submit to your consideration is inflammation has nothing to do with it, okay? You know, the, 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 the inflammation is what's going to trigger pain. So after six weeks, okay, that's more of a chronic problem, okay? So that's something that's been there. So what happens is when you look at joint stability, Okay, you have you have uh, uh, passive stability. You have active stability. Okay, passive stability comes from the ligaments, the tendons, the joint capsule. Okay, and the bone itself, and that's designed to work at the end range of motion. Okay, so when I'm bringing when I'm bringing my arm in this position, okay, my muscles engage. When I'm coming to the end range of motion, that's when the ligaments and the tendons are coming into play to basically to prevent dislocation. Okay. Uh, that represents 10 to 20% of the stability of the joint. Um, active stability comes from the muscles, okay? That represents 80%. So the minute you engage, engage the, 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 the engage an action, the muscle is supposed to engage. However, understand if the brain has shut down a muscle, okay, proprioceptively, is not going to allow that muscle to engage because that muscle can't stabilize the joint. So what's going to do a lot of the work? The ligaments and the tendons. So they're going to become inflamed and that's going to trigger the pain. Okay. So pain has a purpose. Okay. The problem is that we want to deal with that and it says, okay, let's give some anti-inflammatories to bring down, bring down the inflammation. Okay. Yeah. You bring down the inflammation, but the problem is still there. Okay. So from the standpoint of the chiropractic work that we do, okay, we're trying to see what's going on in that area that's creating an imbalance and we will address that, okay? All right, um, well said. Um, and this should be my final question for this segment before we go over to Ian. So for, for an athlete that or a regular person that comes to see you that doesn't have any symptoms, they don't have any problem. They're saying, look, doc, I'm feeling fine. I've just wanted to do some maintenance. Um, how, how do you treat that person? Um, same, same thing. What, what happens is when an athlete comes in and he gets on the table, okay? I got to evaluate from head to toe, okay? See what's going on. One of the things I tell the athletes is, you know, you see NASCAR, okay? Uh, and NASCAR, uh, you, they have a pit crew, okay? And now with the cars that are so sophisticated, there's a computer screen and the computer tells them, okay, this and this is going on. 
uh, uh, even though the driver is going and he's not necessarily no no lights have come on on the on the on the on the uh, on the on the dashboard. The guys are saying, "You need to come in. You can't go around 500 times. You need to come in." So we fine tune the car so the car is able to continue going. Okay. So that's one of the things that I tell an athlete is every single day that they go out to practice, every single day that they go to a competition, they're putting their body at a higher level of stress than the general population. Okay. So in essence, they're beating up the body. So you cannot expect to beat the body up. Okay. And not give it the proper tools for it to be able to recover. One of the things that happens is that, you know, uh, athletes, first of all, are masters at adapting. So an athlete can come in, okay, and think he's fine, and we adjust it. He says, oh man, that feels so much different, okay? So obviously something was going on, okay? Or an athlete, okay, studies clearly show that they have the ability to block pain sensation to the brain. How many times did you go out there with, with some injuries and, and, and went out and ran very competitive yep. times? Yeah, you see? Yeah. Okay? Yep. And you, you know, but, but you still had an injury, okay? But you, you weren't performing at your best. If you needed to take it to that next level, the body would have said no, okay? But you could, you took it to a level where it says, okay, you're so used to being up here that you're just bringing down a notch and you're still performing at a high level, but you're not performing at your peak. You're not performing at your best. And that's the difference when an athlete comes in on a regular basis is to take care of that body Okay, to take care of that body so that body is able to perform at its best. And I'll give you I'll give you an example. First year that I worked with David Oliver at US Nationals. Okay. I did some things with him and he's like, oh my God, I, you know, you know, what was that that you did? I'm like, you're a hurdler. I need to make sure that your that your hips and, and everything is balanced. Okay. So, you know, we had a we had a nice protocol, okay. Before before uh, he started his warm up, when he did hurdles, and when before he went to, to compete, and after he came to come after he competed, he will come back. So that's what we did. Every round he did that. Okay, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he went and he actually PB'd right there. He ran 12.93 at, at U.S. Nationals. He was upset because he said he wanted to to um, to he wanted to. Uh, um, to, to, to beat Alan Johnson's record, which he had, he, 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 he ran 12.92 at the Olympic trials in 96, and he wanted to beat that record, okay? But this is what happened. David comes back to me, and he's hobbling. And he's like, man, I pull my groin, I pull my groin. And I said, hmm, okay, let me take a look at you. And when I took a look at him, I mean, you see, you, you, I mean, you, you know David Oliver, I mean, yeah. that's a right there, yeah. okay? Yeah. You know, his, his leg is a tree trunk, okay? I took his leg and I could literally push it down with my fingers. I muscle tested and I push it down with my fingers. He's like, man, I pulled my groin. I said, no, let me check. I went ahead and I adjusted him. When I adjusted him, okay, I got on the leg again and he's like, oh my God. And I was like, David, have you ever ran 1293? No. I said, you took your body to a, to a level it's never been before, okay? So your muscles were not prepared for it, so this is how they respond. I said, all you need to do is go get a flush and you will be fine. And what did he do the following week? He went to Prefontaine and he ran 1290. 
which equaled the American record at that time. And wow. a couple of weeks later, he went and he ran 12.89. Man, that's some great information. I always heard this information, Doc, about when you take your body somewhere that it that 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 it never been, um, you know, it's sometimes always rec rec recommend that you might need to skip the next meet. <laughs> you know, I I I, I seen these things. You know, and sometimes you know, you're feeling good and you know it might be in a row, but it's always, you know, or you need to be evaluated closely just to make sure that uh that 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 you didn't um you know um everything is still intact it didn't you know push anything too far or or, or or like that so this is um a lot living um testimony that you're saying right now and we're happy for you to share that over to you Ian. okay dr marco um quick one uh, since we're i'm talking mostly about the athletes um when what do you say is the best time for an athlete to seek out chiropractic care? When? Yeah, uh, yeah. What would be a recommendation on that? Well, I mean, that that varies. I mean, some some uh, some athletes create a specific protocol, okay. But like I was sharing with you, this was the first time that I that I worked with uh, with David and um you know we had a protocol where he was getting adjusted before he started his warm-up in the middle of his warm-up and right before he went to the track he's not that necessarily that i would adjust it but i would still evaluate him to make sure that there were no imbalances okay and right after the meet why because we wanted to keep that in you know that that body fine-tuned okay but i give you another example you know i i i, I work with uh, angelo taylor between 2006 and 2008 and i was actually at the track every day with my track with my table okay i was working not only from the chiropractic standpoint but also on a, on a coaching standpoint and um there were times in practice that you know you got to understand i mean these guys are doing some some insane things in practice okay and something happened and angela was the type of person that you know i mean if anybody will tell you if anybody took full advantage of my care when when he was competing was Angelo. He was on my he was on that table every single day. And there were times where he was in practice that he did something, he would feel something. And he said, oh man, I can't go. But good thing I was out there with my table. So I will evaluate him, adjust him, and he's able to finish the workout. You see, that's why he had such a, especially in 2008, he had such a phenomenal year, okay? winning the Olympics, but even the year before, he still went ahead and uh, and medaled in the Open 400. You know, that, that year he actually even beat LaShawn Merritt at U.S. Nationals. So. Okay, thank you. So, I mean, uh, when, yes, I mean, it's when, uh, you know, not necessarily every day, but one of the things that I recommend to the athletes, come in to get evaluated at least once a week because we got to keep the body balanced you cannot beat the body up okay and expect that you're going to continue to perform well all right doc there's two um i think three areas that i, I like you to touch on because gary i put up um somewhere here we kind of had jumped that little part there 
in terms of job duties that's where he was coming from but um i just want you to touch on three areas that you know some people didn't even know that may fall under your um, practice your care and one of them copper tunnel we, we we know just even from working you don't have to do anything much computer whatever just using these fingers too much um then again somebody with arthritis you know is that the old people will really want to hear you talk about that one you know arthritis pain and yeah. herniated disc these are something that basically plague just about anybody right well i mean let's let's start with carpal tunnel okay um you know you you know when you when you look at the spine okay uh just think of an electrical box okay when you open an electrical box what do you see you see you're going to see a bunch of circuits correct and you understand that each one of the circuits will could specific areas within the within the uh, within the house okay the spine is basically 33 circuits and what the body does the body groups those circuits and form bigger circuits those are known as plexus okay so plexus now serve as a connecting point so instead of having one nerve that's gonna supply you know say the arm you have multiple groups of nerves so the brachial plexus goes from the middle of the neck all the way to your upper back and it forms a branch here and out of that brachial plexus comes the median nerve so the median nerve slides through here and then you have a sheet that covers around the wrist here and then there's a little tunnel and that's what they call it you got the carpal bones so there's a tunnel that goes through there okay so one of the things that happens is this you you depending on how you how you're sitting in front of the computer you're doing a lot of this motion here okay so this motion here okay if you're if you're here now you now you're changing the angle so you're putting more stress in the area okay but more importantly than this is this motion here okay remember we talk in terms of the spine okay and the spine having curvatures and those curvatures are there to act like a spring coil okay but primarily in the neck area they allow the weight of the head to rest comfortably over your shoulders the human head weighs anywhere between 8 and 20 pounds okay so picture a bowling ball for every inch that that head is off that center of gravity it's going to increase the weight of that head by at least 10 pounds okay so when you sit down like this and you start doing this okay what are you doing you're putting pressure on those nerves that exit out of here so when you start to put pressure on those nerves that exit out of there all of a sudden they're no longer sending 100 nerve supply so it's going to create a and, and a weakness down here, that weakness is going to lead to imbalance. All of a sudden you start to feel something here and you think, okay, man, I've got a problem here. My arms are falling asleep, okay? A lot of times now you go back and you take a set of x-rays, okay? And what do you find? Arthritis in the neck, okay? A lot of degenerative change, just wear and tear, okay? Because initially what happens is scar tissue forms. Scar tissue is not elastic tissue, so scar tissue acts like a, like a cast. Restricts the movement, remodels the area, okay? So you have different layers, you have different layers, so it starts to go one layer, next layer, next layer, next layer, next layer, okay? And eventually, the body can create no more scar tissue, so calcium deposits start infiltrating. That's where the arthritis comes in, okay? And a lot of that comes when the muscles are not supporting the area, so because the muscles are not supporting the area, then uh, there's more stress in the area, so that's how the body responds to it, by laying down calcium deposits. That's where the arthritis comes in. 
is that wear and tear. But even when you have arthritis, that, that's something else that also has to deal with that immune system because it's the body that's creating that to protect itself, okay? And you take a set of x-rays and all of a sudden you look at, uh, you look at uh, not only the loss of that curvature, but also degenerative changes. And what those degenerative changes are doing, it's affecting the disc. Just understand that the disc is a very, uh, it's, a, it's a very spongy material that has a very hard outer surface or outer ring, okay? That disc, um, after the age of 20, doesn't have direct blood supply. So it requires the proper movement from, from the, it requires a proper movement from the actual vert, from the vertebra itself. So when you have that imbalance, there isn't adequate movement. If you don't have adequate movement, there isn't adequate blood flow going to that area. If you don't have adequate blood flow going to that area, that disc that's made up of basically about 80% water, that disc starts drying out. And when it starts drying out, the walls start to weaken. When the walls weaken, certain things that you do, you know, coughing, uh, lifting up a heavy object, even sitting down, bearing down in the bathroom, okay? Or pushing a, a, a heavy object, sneezing, that increases the pressure within the disc. And when you increase the pressure within the disc, that's actually going to take that, uh, it's not showing it on, on this spine, but basically what it does, it, take, it, it has a gel-like nucleus and that gel-like nucleus gets pushed out to the back or you know to the back or to the side or to the back itself but back side or back middle okay and then it starts to irritate the nerves okay but the the herniation is not the the, the main issue here is more so the imbalance that has triggered that so a lot of times that's the reason why you see so many fatal back surgery syndrome simply because you you they rush too quick to to address that rather than try to create a better balance and sometimes when you create a better balance you take the stress off of that this okay and then the irritation goes away and then the person is able to go back to uh to, to their normal activities however they still need to understand proper what we call proper spinal hygiene you can't continue doing the things incorrect in the incorrect uh um uh daily activities and expect to not irritate that again Okay, so that that you know that should be. I mean, it. it I, I hope that covers all three questions that that you asked. Me. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think I, I think you did. But I'm gonna um ask something. This may be crazy because <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. But you've been in this um field for such a long time, you know. And this is just something that happened. That at one point I'm thinking that man, this could be a, a little um invention. I could invent something here, but uh, <laughs> I had a sciatica nerve problem, right? This pain, you know, it runs all the way down. Uh -huh. So somehow I had a, um, a shoe. I don't know what happened. I put the shoe on. I decided to do a little walk. The back of the shoe, the heel, like fell off. Put it that uh -huh. way. It's not, you know, plop, plop. And I say, you know what? Let me tear this thing off. I tore it off. The back drops like you know i'm walking and i know like the, the front is up and the back and it starts stretching the leg and i realized that that pain disappeared <laughs> maybe you want to patent it i don't know <laughs> i could so, feel i could feel the other part of my you know a different stretch like it was equaling out whatever was going on and surprisingly 
it disappeared and I tell you I couldn't get off the bed or anything, you know. It was kind of tough. And I'm like, what happened here? It's just like so something just happened. <laughs> well, you, 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 you have, you, you have, you know, maybe you want, might want to try to find it. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's what, no <laughs> I thought about it. No, it's serious. And I thought about it. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Why that particular um, um, foot of shoe yeah. fell off. And it was like, you know, it, like the front was tilted and I'm more, you know, but I could feel that, that, that they are stretching those muscles, the other side and, uh, and really disappear. So, probably what okay. was happening here is this, okay? You probably had an imbalance on the other side, and when you took, when you took that, you know, when that heel fell off, and now you started walking, you started altering the gait, and now stretching that area. <laughs> that stretching helped to relax those muscles and took the stress off of that, uh, off yeah. of the sciatic. Yeah, I yeah. felt I felt the stretch, and it felt good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes that's the best remedy. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe his wife was praying for him, doc. I never discount the power of prayer, absolutely. Uh, 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 all right, now, um, next question, you know. How important it is to, to, to find the right chiropractor. We, we can't say there's a right doctor or whatever, but for me, I think some doctor is just good at what they do. And others, right. uh, I don't know if they guess, but you know, how would you deal with that question? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, a, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times it's, it's more, um, you know, referrals and, you know, word of mouth, things like that. And, you know, you always want to go to somebody that, you know, first of all, is going to educate you. But most importantly, it's that you feel comfortable with. Because even if the doctor is good and you don't feel comfortable with them, you know, it's not, that's not conducive to good healing, you know, so you have to feel comfortable with whoever is working on you because understand we're laying hands on you, you know, so if we're laying hands on you and you don't feel comfortable, you feel apprehensive, you know, your body is not receiving whatever it is that we're trying to do to help your body heal. So, you know, things just basically go out the window. So re referrals, referrals is one. And second of all, just feeling comfortable. And even if you get a referral and you don't feel comfortable, you just have to keep, you know, keep going. So the issue is that, you know, fortunately with, with social media and stuff like that, you see a, you see a lot of, uh, you know, you know, you see a lot of uh, sensationalization on social media. And, you know, so you, you, you have to be a little bit careful when it comes to that, you know, and, um, some people embellish the truth. Some people, you know, are good and they and they just throw in it. So it's just a matter of sometimes you just gotta go with your instincts, you know. Just see if I feel comfortable, then I'm gonna go. If I don't feel comfortable, then I'm I'm just gonna go uh, elsewhere. Yeah. Okay, Doc. Um, what what's your first gesture when you see a patient walk in your office, and what is your your joyous moment when they're stepping out? Well, I mean, you know, okay, so it, it, give me the first part. It, it broke up a little bit. Give me the first part of that okay. question. What's your first gesture when, when you see a patient walk into your office? What's my first gesture? It's a smile, you know? It's a smile because I, I am grateful that they have at least given me the opportunity to be able to uh, serve their health needs. Yes. And obviously, the satisfaction of seeing somebody uh come in uh 
sometimes in you know in tremendous amount of pain and even if they're able to walk out of the office and says I still have the pain but I feel so much better that's rewarding simply because you know like one of the things that I explain to patients is that unfortunately when we have these issues one two or three adjustments are not going to make a correction you know sometimes these things have been there for years and and we've been programmed so much by the drug companies that you know take a pill for this and take a pill for this to get rid of the symptoms and you know we think we think that okay you're going to come in and magically you're going to get an adjustment and all your problems are going to go away that certainly doesn't work that way you could feel better after an adjustment doesn't mean that we've corrected the problem it, it just means that we've taken enough stress off the area that there there that you have no pain or less pain all right uh, what what's your take on diet and lifestyle oh it's very important you know a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the um uh, again your body's like a ferrari okay you don't put cheap gas in a ferrari okay but a lot of times people want to put cheap gas and expect the body to perform okay or you want to take a trip you know from Atlanta to New York but you just want to put $10 worth of gas you're not going to go you're not going to make it very far so diet and you know diet is very important and of course the lifestyle you know uh you know the proper rest the the proper nutrition the you know positive mental attitude you know I mean, you know, uh, activity, activity is very important. The body is designed to move. Okay. Activity is very, very important. Okay. So those are the things that, that, you know, that's where, that's where the wellness part comes in is the diet and, and nutrition, you know, diet and nutrition and well, not necessarily, you know, diet is more nutrition. You nourish your body. You eat to nourish your body, not to fool your body up. You eat to nourish your body. All right. Well, that I, I just put this um, question across the screen again. Another one from um, Gary Barnes. If an adult is not injured or having pain, would you basically would you advise them to still see a chiropractor and how often? I think you kind of touched on it before, but you know, if you want to just answer him directly, you could. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> without without question. I mean, it's you know, I give I give the example. You know, Ian asked me. Um, you know, I mean, it's I'm doing a lot of physical work. I don't have any aches. Okay, but I'm not going to wait till something is happening to me to then decide. Okay, I'm going to go get adjusted. So the same way we think dental hygiene. Okay, you don't wait till your teeth are rotting to then decide. Hmm, maybe it's a good idea to start visiting the dentist and and brushing my teeth several times a day and doing all the things that represent dental hygiene. Is the same way we're supposed to practice spinal hygiene. Okay, most of that spinal hygiene is practiced outside of the office. Okay, however, the chiropractic adjustment is something that ensures that when you do the things outside, your body is able to respond. All right, thank you very much. Back over to you, Ian. All right, Doc, we're winding down now. Um, almost um, going to let you go, but before we do that just want to talk about some of the fun part so just tell us a little bit about your experience just you know working with athletes especially um with with team usa um um how many um i know you have been to a few world championship um can you just give us a little highlight of some of your experience um working with athletes 
Well, um, I, I, I went to, uh, uh, been to World Indoors and World Outdoor Championships. I also went to Continental Cup. I actually went with the America's team, the Continental Cup. And um, uh, one, one of the things that I, that I truly appreciated uh, uh, working with the US, US staff is, uh, um, is organization, you know? And why I say organization, because, uh, and I'm not going to mention the country, but uh, one year, uh, 2011, I went to Pan American Games, and I was supposed to go work with one of the one of these Caribbean countries, and you know, uh, the 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 president of the federation uh, knew that I was going. They were not going to pay me absolutely anything. I was I was covering all my expenses. Well, I was getting somebody to cover all my expenses to go work with their team. Okay, and I uh, I went there. This was in Mexico, and when we looking for the team, they don't they don't even know that I'm coming. And I'm like, okay, but I still need credentials, <laughs> you know. And they said, well, they didn't tell us anything, and we don't have any more credentials. So I started to laugh, you know. And uh, the good thing is, it was in Mexico City, so. You know, Spanish is my first language, so I explained to the people what was happening, and they basically gave gave me and and, and I went with uh, with my best friend. We we they gave both of us credentials, and I was able to go to you know go every day to the to the track meet. And the funny thing is that even though I was there to work with them, not one of them from the team came to see me. I saw people from Jamaica, the people from Jamaica came to see me. Other athletes that I work with. They came and they saw me. Not one of the persons from the team. So it's a mentality. And they did see another chiropractor because I went to see, talk to another chiropractor. And I'm like, my table is open right here next to them. You see? So now, forward, the following year, now I go work with the US team. And it was just such a pleasure. Okay? When I tell you it was a pleasure, it was just a pleasure to work with them because all we had to focus on was taking care of the athlete whatever we needed they will ensure that we we had that and the, the the good thing was with that was also that all the professionals that were there all the medical staff that was there the sports medicine staff we all worked together why because the goal was to make sure that these athletes were healthy enough to be able to go compete there was no competition any of that kind of stuff and that's that's basically what, what was the focus now we went now back to when we went to um, uh, uh, World Outdoor Championships. Okay, um, typically they they will take you know when you have a big team they will take two to three chiropractors. Okay, uh, this time they had a big team, 153 athletes, and they sent me alone. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, I have I have I have a practice overseas in Panama, so I'm used to seeing a hundred plus people a day. So to me, it wasn't a big deal. But I said to myself, either they're looking for me to fail, or they trust me that much. So I, I chose to believe that they trusted me enough to to send me with uh, with with you know to work with these athletes. And we were able to work work with that athlete. And I remember we have we had I'm not going to mention the athlete's name, but we had a top athlete that was a defending champion. Okay, but had an injury. Okay, and 
we worked every single day, every single day, every single day during training camp. All the day it was it was myself, the orthopedist, and one of the athletic trainers and two of the massage therapists. We just we were just working on the clock, on the clock. We will go from the training room to the track, do all the necessary thing. Um, uh, they already had a chiropractor that that they work with that you know back home and they actually came to the world championship so he took over but once we got once we got there um at the end the athlete even with the injury we were able to keep him balanced enough that they still got on the podium her coach came and said uh and this is a prominent coach and he said in all my years that I've been working with uh, you know, come in here with athletes and stuff. He said, this is the best medical staff that I've worked with. He said, why? Because there were no egos. He said, you guys uh, did what you needed to do in order to keep my athlete healthy. So she was able to go out there and get a medal. So that to me was very rewarding, you know? So wow. um, uh, it's always good when you go work somewhere, you know? And, you know, I, I heard this quote from uh, um, Pastor Mike Murdoch. He said, uh, go, where you're go where you are celebrated, not where you're tolerated. <laughs> okay? So, right. I mean, I felt that I was celebrated for the work that I was doing there alongside the other uh, uh, medical professionals that were there with me. We all worked together to get not only her, because they had other athletes. They had only her and other athletes that had some issues and they still got on the podium. So it's a, it's a, um, it's always a pleasure because I was an athlete and I never got on the podium, but to me, it wasn't a big deal. To me, I celebrate it when I'm able to help an athlete be uh, healthy enough to be able to perform at his best. That to me is rewarding. Amen, amen, amen to that doc. And uh, on that same topic, same line there, I'll ask you a two more questions. So um, with all of this passion that you have and, you know, where do you go for inspiration? Um, knowing that, um, you know, you, <laughs> you know, just, um, you know, you know, it's considered a doctor and, and, and obviously when people feel good, I know that makes you feel good, but um, I know that it can be an exhausting job. <laughs> You know, it can be <laughs> overwork sometime, you know, you know, because there are long days sometime, you know, especially for athletic event. I know probably in the office, um, you know, most of the office I see, they normally have breaks, you know, like long lunch or they work the second half of the day and try to get people when they come from work. Where, where do you find your inspiration to, 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 to just uh, keep going? Um, two places. Uh, YouTube and, and uh, you know, listening to, you know, inspirational, uh, inspirational words, you know, um, it, it kind of charges me. Uh, but I think uh, the biggest inspiration is, is this, the, the, the satisfaction of seeing an athlete perform well because of something that you did. That kind of inspired you. And, and yeah, like you said, sometimes it's tiring. And sometimes you get there and it's like, Man, I don't even want to do this, and man, I don't, you know, don't know. I don't, I don't want to see anybody. 
but here comes that one person and you do something to them and they get off the table and they say, wow, you know, you know, this, I was feeling this and now I feel this. Okay. That alone, you know, kind of makes it worse. All right. All right. Well said. So for, for the patient that comes to see you on a regular basis or what you hope that they get out of the treatment when they leave the office, you know, what, what, what you personally would want them to leave from a mental standpoint, just walk, you know, come and see you from leaving the office. Understanding health and well-being, you know, that by, by me delivering the, the adjustment, is going to help their body be able to, you know, function uh, a little bit better. So that's that's what I that's what I hope. I mean, it's uh, I don't necessarily I don't focus on the oh you know the pain went away because I know I, at times it's like no I did the adjustment give the body some time to do its work. So you know this the, the, the fact that they will they will leave the office um, feeling. Uh, that okay the adjustment okay is going to help their body perform better okay well said so doc you have you have accomplished so much um all the way from you know uh, a full scholarship and um anything else that you pretty much have on the list that you love to pursue and you know still have a desire to to complete um, well, I'm sure that, you know, um, uh, I've never been, uh, with a team to the Olympics. So obviously, you know, I will, I will, I would love to love an opportunity to go with, uh, with a team to the Olympics. Um, that's, that's been, uh, um, that's one of my, that's one of my passions, you know, because I, I, I know. I know what I bring to the table and I know how I will help. Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the reasons. I've worked with athletes that have gone on to the Olympics and, you know, been at the top of the podium, but I haven't been able to be there physically with them. So that's that's one of the things that I will, you know, uh, that's part of my, uh, one of my goals, one of my goals and aspirations, you know, one of my, one of my desires, yes. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So how, how could people find you? People might be listening right now all over the world, all over the States, in Jamaica, anywhere. People fly from all over the world for treatment. You know, uh, how, how could someone find you? And what's the easiest way to, 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 to um, do you have a, um, a website or, and what, what can, can they find you? Um, uh Call it, the phone number is there. If the phone number is not there, they can call uh, 1-833-GET-AMIT, G-E-T-A-M-I-T, which is AMIT is a technique that I do. Okay, okay. 
All right. Um, uh, over to you, Ian. Um, I think I've answered my question. Um, you know, I will officially say thank you after Ian um, fight closes for closing words. Okay, uh, Dr. Marco, um, quick question. What would you say have been your greatest accomplishment to date? Uh, what's my greatest accomplishment? Uh, uh, you know, raising my kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I to my kids, I got a, you know, I got a, you know, you know, bigger boys, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I've got soon to be 12, 12 year old uh, twins. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of, I'm very proud of uh, you know, kids. And I, I think, I think that's my, my greatest uh, accomplishment, just looking at them and, you know, seeing them evolve. That's, you know, that's my, that's my greatest accomplishment. Absolutely. All right. I'm thinking back or looking back like 10 years ago. Did you ever envision your, 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 your yourself here? You know? Um, actually, yes. Actually, yes. I did. I actually, and I envisioned myself even further, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, God has a way of kind of molding things and putting you in the right place and bringing things uh, at, at the right moment. So, um, uh, because I've, you know, I've been, I've been doing this, uh, I started, uh, I started, you know, I, I never envisioned myself coaching, put it, that, put it that way. But when I, when Innocent and Bonique started coaching down here, okay, uh, somebody called me and says, hey, Innocent is, has a group down here. Why don't you reach out to him? And when I reached out to him, uh, if, if, you know, if you know Innocent, Innocent is a, is a, is a, is a, is a strong man of God. Okay. And, you know, the minute we got on the phone, his spirit connected with my spirit. And, and I said, Hey, look, I would like to come out and, and, talk. and he stopped everything he was doing. And he just started praying. He started praying. He said, come out here tomorrow. And that was the start of me basically, you know, uh, coaching because I just went out there. I just wanted to do chiropractic. I had, I, I had no intentions of doing, uh, you know, any coaching, but when I got out there and started to see it, a passion started to ignite in me. And it's like, well, I can help these guys are doing this, this thing incorrectly. And then he says, okay, so you start working on the, on the technical aspect and the rest was history and all the years that we, that we so yes, uh, I didn't. If you tell me 20 years ago, I wouldn't necessarily envision it. But now, yes, it's it's yes. 10 years, oh, absolutely, and even further. But you know, uh, I'm I'm learning to be patient. That's something that uh, it's been a little bit uh, challenging for me. I'm learning to be patient. But I know I know I have I have a tremendous gift. God has blessed me with tremendous gift in what I do. And, you know, even somebody, I joke around, some of the athletes call me Miracle Marco, you know, I'm like, why, why Miracle? It's like, nah, it's, you know, I have a passion for what I do. I'm very knowledgeable and, you know, I, I go to the point and, and I trust God in everything that I do. So, yes, I do envision myself. Okay. Well, well Dr. Marco, we just want to say we, we, we here on Ian and Ian. 
and even our audience. We are really proud of your accomplishment and we are really impressed in terms of your knowledge and you know the way that you were able to break it down here for us, you know, on the on the platform, even for the viewers, you know. We just want to say we are very thankful, you know, to have you tonight to just come on here and share with us. As we say, you could have been doing so much thing with your time, but you have taken the time out to be on this platform, you know, where we basically strive to educate, motivate, and inspire others, you know, to basically be them their best self, you know, and your your, your journey is nothing shy of just full inspiration you know taking it just uh, born here in, in new york went back to your home panama still doing work there still doing work here and at the end of the day you're just uh, a servant of god guy I, I, I you know it comes into the end here but we can see that spiritually you are really inclined you know you, you have a good heart and you have a heart to help others and you basically know the body pretty well and you know we give thanks that you have hands that are able to manipulate so as to help people to perform at their, their utmost best you know as you said you have people who still with injury but still being able to stand on top of that platform collecting a medal and i know that i've done well for them you know and you you're selfless basically you just do it you're like nike just go there and, and, and do it so we're very proud of you and we just want to say thank you man so uh, i'll leave it up to ian to close it out and, and get. well dr marco um as i said on behalf of the entire track and field family and with real talk with ian and ian we are pretty confident that we have provided another excited and entertaining and educational program we ask anyone that might watch this video to please share it so we could get this information out to as many people as possible. We are over on YouTube at Real Talk with Ian and Ian. So please um, share this information. It's very important that um, this knowledge here, uh, it will cost you a whole day session <laughs> to see Dr. Marker. But Dr. Marker, take this time today to break some stuff down and you probably want to have to get a pen and paper to write some stuff down because uh, you know this here we're just so happy that during a time like this when many people are at home we are able to provide some information uh, for people might that you know having so similar symptoms and then of, of course um, you know all the information that we say on here um you know it's it's um you know we're not giving any advice to you we're you know you have to um reach out um and see the, you know the proper um doctor that you may need so this all this stuff here just for information purpose um you know just give you a little history and background so please feel free um, to um, to reach out to any one of us, real talk with Ian and Ian. We're on any major platform. You know Dr. Marco. Um, he's a um, well-established. He has very knowledgeable. He has worked with so many Olympians. We're gonna have to keep record. We, we didn't go into specific details how many athletes Dr. Marco have worked on over the years, but 
I believe that it's probably going on over a hundred now. You know, and, you know, not well, 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 well over a hundred people that you might yeah, not even remember. I said you had a group of hundred and fifty at one time, you know. So, oh Lord, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, world championships in 2013. How many, how many medals the U.S. got? Okay, uh, I work with every single one of them. <laughs> All right. So we, yeah, we thank you, Dr. Marco, for 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 so passionate and to sacrifice yourself, you know, to be doing this type of work. I know it sometimes it could be a little physical demanding on the body, um, you know, because it's you know physical work. But I'm sure that. Um, you are specialists and you're trained to do this here. And um, as I said, we're so grateful. I'm looking forward to probably see you at the Olympic trials in, 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 in 2021. And I'm looking forward to might be seeing you at the Olympic Games. We know that, um, you know, that, that, that I believe that you will be blessed. And uh, I know that you will be able to make it to the Olympic stage um, and enjoy the, the games. Um, I know we got Paris, we got LA coming up, and uh, you know, so we got a lot, lot of future. So by God will, um, you know, as my pastor always say, when you when you say when you say everything that you know, it's time to go. <laughs> and um, I think that it's um, was a very good thing. So any final words, Doctor Marco, before we close the broadcast? Well, um, I, I, you know, I mean, I definitely want to say I'm, I'm humbled and honored that you guys, you know, took the time to interview me. Um, trust me, I, I truly appreciate it. From the bottom of my heart, I truly appreciate it that you gave me the opportunity to come on your platform and, and explain what I'm very passionate about. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, just trust in the good Lord and, let him, you know, guide our steps. So, uh, once again, I, 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 uh, I, I really appreciate. It. That's all I could say. I really appreciate the opportunity that you, that you've afforded me to come on your platform to kind of get some exposure. All right, Doc. We're, we're seeing you. We're doing the good work, and as I said, we just, um, you know, by just the Lord. Christ just lead us by the Spirit, so you know um, He have, you know, specifically, um, you know, lead me to reach out to you, and you know, we actually never met before. Um, you know, was you know we you know so no, a lot of we, <laughs> you know so we're looking forward for that. So thank you, Doc. Have a great night and have a great week, and um, stay safe. All right, take care. Okay. All right.